Welcome to another episode of the Tech That Doesn't Bite cast. Yay! This is episode number 26. Oh my God. And we're going to have a good time. Lots of news to discuss. Lots of big things going on this week in the world of tech. So let me go ahead and bring on my co-host, the infamous Simon C. Hey, everyone. Hey, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm well, as you could already hear, I'm sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means, but whatever oh, you do, don't give me that. We're <laughs> good. We're doing good, doing good. And I know we got a lot, a lot of stuff. I mean, good God, there's a lot of stuff. So you know what? I'm going to just shoot it over to you and let's get started on all that. All right, everybody. Well, if you think that the Apple events are over, well, you're in for a surprise because there's one more in the bag, no. one more in the bag. And that is the, they dubbed this as Apple Unleashed. Ooh. So this article is from Mac Rumors. So there's a Twitter hash flag for October 18th, the Unleash Apple event. It's going to be online. Uh, I think it's going to start like at 10 in the morning. Okay. Yeah. So here are here's the rumor product, one of the rumor products that that they are going to announce, and that product is a MacBook Pro model, completely new. Uh, I think the low end MacBook Pro is going to be 14 inch now rather than 13, and the highest would be a 16 inch display. So it's a 14 inch and a 16 inch. And one of the thing is the MacBook Pro model said to start at 16 gigs of RAM. Right now it starts at a base model of eight gigs of RAM and a 256 gig of SSD storage. That's like the base model. Uh, but according to this rumor is that. The MacBook Pro model is set to start at 16 gigs of RAM and 512 gigabytes of storage. Also feature a upgraded 1080p webcam and a new charging brick for crying out loud. <laughs> Please upgrade your webcam because it's pathetic that's still 720p nowadays. <laughs> yeah, so basically it's going to be a 14-inch and 60-inch MacBook Pro model. And it's going to be probably using the M1X chip. Um, let's see what else. So this is just a rumor unconfirmed. So who knows? Um, so here's his rumors from a Twitter user, uh, Dylan DK, some guy named Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know his track record and, you know, guessing these things, but so <laughs> macro pro 14 and 16 inch and mini led displays, um, smaller bezels with no bottom logo. 1080p webcam base models will have 16 gigs of RAM and 512s of storage, 512 gigabytes of storage. Base M1X is the same configuration for both models. Pricing will be similar between the 14 and 16 inch. 
and a new charging brick. Yay. Cool. So don't know how the new design is, but there's rumors that no, there's rumors that the um the MacBook Pro will 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 re will put back an HDMI port and an SD the SD card slot. Which I know they, they removed it because um you know it's Apple. They have to remove shit. <laughs> you know, they remove, remove stuff that I don't think they should have removed. Like mm. they were really gung ho. This oh USB C is like, yeah, USB C is cool and all that, but you know, there are some people that still use SD cards, you know, for photography and stuff. And you know, it's a hassle buying a dongle and stuff like that to, you know, plug it in. It, it it's it's a mess. Yeah. It's a freaking mess. And I've seen it like, you know, my sister had like, you know, those USB type C MacBook Pros. Mm. And it's just like it's it's like it ruins the the aesthetic because I had to plug in a stupid ass dongle to just get like the basic stuff back. You know, it's just <laughs> dumb. You know. Um oh, so H- well. HDMI, that's good as well. Um mm-hmm. you know, at least those two things will be back, hopefully. Um I do like the fact that base model starts at 16 gigs of ram which is i think it should be standard all across you know i think eight gigs nowadays just it's the bare minimum but no well bare minimum yeah i I think i think it depends on what you're running i mean that's usually the the bigger thing is it's you get these these you know lesser or not so strong machines and whatnot but it really depends on what your needs are i mean if all you do is surf youtube videos all day or something along those lines or maybe uh you know just you know browse facebook or just you know you're not doing anything really uh anything that requires like a lot of cpu usage then getting eight gigs of ram actually would probably be sufficient if not even possibly less than that depending on what again what your needs are okay going for a full gaming rig yeah you know 16 gigs might be the minimum you'd want to go for if you well i mean beyond that i don't consider mac as a gaming rig i never will and neither would i i'm all about pc master race boom yeah but i I, i'm not a gamer anyway so i don't care about that so Ah, so uh thing is you know storage wise yeah the five five and twelve gigabyte storage should be the base not 256 like what the hell you know it's just like it's ridiculous on a computer for 256 gigs of ssd this is ridiculous Mm. yeah 512 minimum at least i always i always think that way and before it's like you know back then it was like 128 gigs yeah what (laughs) i was getting that was like standards like it it totally uh, depends on what your needs are it absolutely depends on what your needs are i mean you you know, you and I both record a lot of video, so it requires some level of storage. We're not, you know, sticking them on thumb, drive, thumb drives or anything like We're that. We're using cloud stuff. We're right, using cloud stuff, whatever it is. So we need the space just to hold to hold our stuff, you know. But again, if you're using just like, you know, Excel spreadsheets or Word documents or whatever, yeah, you don't need that much space. And again, you know, your tech requirements aren't that high versus like you or I, who are essentially our power users, for lack of a better term, yeah, you know, we, we need to kind of amp up the space, amp up the, the CPU power, amp up the, you know, the RAM and all that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think other other rumors were uh, um, another new Mac Mini, which mm. I'm intrigued about that because I saw one on sale today, the M1 Mac Mini. Yeah. On Amazon for the 512 gig SSD storage. It's like $799. Okay. Okay. It's like $100 off. Right. Um. But it's like I'm, it was tempting to buy it, but then I was like, ah, I just feel like there's something that's gonna come out on the 18th, you know. So, <laughs> so I'm just waiting and see what's gonna happen there. Um, also, probably 
AirPods 3? No, so who knows? I mean, everyone thought Air, the new AirPods would be would have been announced during the iPhone event, but that didn't happen. So could be, could be this event. And mm. I think this event is mostly going to be more about the Mac side things. Right. So, I mean, I can't tell what what else they could uh, unveil because it's it's called Apple Unleashed. Like, what else? That's what they're going to unleash. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> so, that's... Unleashed! Yeah. I don't know, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, again, I... Yeah, it, it really does depend on what your needs are. I mean, I mean, I mean, the cool bleeding edge of technology, man, that's always a good time to actually see some really cool new stuff come out. A lot of amped up uh, hardware and whatnot, and you know, mm. a faster chip. The M what the uh, the M one X, you know, part of the the new Apple brand of chips here should prove interesting to see how it compares against Intel's and uh, and, and the other uh, um, AMD's and etc. But um, you know, your average user. You know, probably just wants a machine that'll get them on the internet to watch cat videos. And honestly, you don't need a lot to do yeah. that. So, you don't, you, know. you, don't, you don't need a lot to watch YouTube videos, but you do mm-hmm. need a lot to make YouTube videos. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. That's a that's a very good way of putting yeah. it. That's Have you tried streaming on YouTube? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There yeah. we go. Have you tried? Have you Have tried you tri- that, you and I? Have you yeah. tried yeah. streaming on YouTube using OBS? Oh, Whoa. <laughs> it's like, we're using StreamYard because it's... it's, it's it's less processor intense. It's not relying yeah. on, you know, your computer processing power. It's right, all on them. Right. That's why. So, and it's doing a fine job. I will say it's, yeah. it's doing a really good job for us. So mm-hmm. kudos to StreamYard and all that happy stuff. Yeah. But, you know, obviously for more StreamYard features, you know, like, you know, you might've seen the little watermark right there as a power by StreamYard. If you want to remove that, then you have to subscribe to their service on a monthly basis kind of fee plan. Right. And we're cheap. So we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. just give you the short answer we're cheap we can't do that well Not plus yet. we only have two live viewers so right <laughs> yes yeah, so. that's cool <laughs> two live view oh wait you're talking about us right gotcha <laughs> no i see it there's a view count right there oh nice you don't see uh maybe you don't see it because you're the guest but there's only two nice but one is my ipad just monitoring so oh, technically okay. it's only so have, one so, so there actually might be a, there might be a live one out there yeah thank <laughs> you for watching we appreciate that yeah. so thank you tell your right. friends tell let's your move friends. on to the next story jeff this is all one right. this one is yours oh my god all right well google epic games apple it, it's the menage a trois of money, and that's really kind of how this all kind of battles out here. It's, all right, so as you may recall, last month Apple was handed a fairly big victory in the uh, battle over Epic Games' place in the Apple's in the Apple App Store. Right, uh, the judge Ivan Gonzalez Rogers uh, had written a 185 page decision on the matter. I mean, good God, who has time to write that level of documentation? Uh, uh, and in short, she said that she agreed that Epic had breached its developer contract with Apple when it activated a code hidden within the uh, the Fortnite battle game for the iPhone and iPad that violated the App Store rules. Th- this is hardly surprising in and of itself. They actually did do that. And they were proud of it. And they advertised that sort of thing. Right. So Google, having seen all this play out, chose to follow suit. <laughs> See what I said there? Suit, lawsuit. Never mind. All right. So, and filed a countersuit. Ah, oh my God. I'll just stop. All right. So, filed a countersuit against Epic this past Monday. Uh, the 43 uh, page filing cited how Epic had activated a similar code within the Fortnite app in the Google Play Store, 
which in turn broke the contractually agreed rules in which uh, and which led to Fortnite being removed. Again, this is actually standard terms of service stuff between the two of them, for what that's worth. Uh, they also cited that Epic began a public relations campaign, quote, intended to villainize and harm Google while distracting from Epic's breach, end quote, which honestly is probably about right because that's actually exactly what they did. They actually set out a PR campaign to say, hey, we're fighting for the little guy to, you know, not have to pay so much money and their monopolies and all this other jazz, right? That was the big right. thing that they were arguing for quite strongly. All right. So the brief, uh, the brief further argued that Epic, quote, entered into a legal agreement with Google with which it never intended to comply, end quote, and that its actions, quote, have put its own users at risk, have harmed Google, and are deserving of relief from this court, end quote. And what a shock, Epic hasn't commented on any of this. And there you have it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, business! Uh... I, it's just, I, I'm not really sure how far they, you know, Epic actually really thought through on this one. I mean, you break, you breach contract, but there has to be some level of wrongdoing or harm done to the suing party in this case. Right. Um, I mean, I can appreciate that they, they want to go kind of a, uh, a social justice warrior kind of thing and show that, Hey, these big businesses are, you know, taking all your money and they're not being very good and they're setting prices and, you know, monopolizing and all this stuff. And, and, and arguably it's, it's not a, a, a totally invalid argument when you really think about it. They just happen to be the two biggest ones of the market. And the question is, are they actually being competitive with other app stores and marketplaces? You know, they, but whether Epic actually proved that or not, obviously I, I didn't read any of the, the discussion that went on in the courtroom because I'm sure it would have been like watching paint dry. But, you know, if, if Epic didn't prove any of that. It's like watching C-SPAN. They were right. There you go. <laughs> and I mean, if, if, if they didn't prove uh, or present evidence to indicate that, you know, uh, Apple and or Google were, you know, somehow uh, uh, manipulating the market. Um, right. You know, they, they've got nothing. They they breached contract. They deserve to get dinged for it. And that's frankly the end of that, really, for for what that's worth. So I'll, I'll, I'll certainly kind of keep keep a pulse on that one. I'm kind of curious to see where where that was going to go. But beyond that, it looks pretty open and shut from, from my standpoint. So it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a big loss for Epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it should be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they actually decide to, to to play nice and you know say, okay, yeah, we'll uh, take out those codes and they do something, get put back in the App Store, and everything goes back to the way it was before. And you know, what harm has there been done except to Epic's reputation, and whatnot, or and whatever money they spend in, in, on those lawsuits, whatnot. And I would imagine there might even be civil damages later on that, that uh, both Apple and Google could sue for. You know, not that they mm -hmm. need the money. But it's it's you know there is a there is a they could they could do it and arguably there is a loss of income between from when they started this till now if you will or whenever this whole thing finally ends yeah. and that's not like they need the money but you know having more they might just do hurt. it to teach them a lesson which which <laughs> yeah. is you know pretty autocratic thing yeah. to do having but, more yeah. money doesn't hurt them so yeah <laughs> well yeah for Apple that's valued somewhere around two trillion dollars I mean does it really need the money no does it want to teach a lesson. Probably, but the question is, are they, you know, teaching the, the right lesson of, okay, look, you broke contract, you deserve to be sued and whatnot, but we're going to make an example of you. So it, it's, you know, it's the tone. It's going to be interesting to see where that's going to go. Yippers. Yeah. All right. Let's continue on. Jeff. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, teaching somebody a lesson here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I, I love this article. It, it's so funny. Okay. So, 
Apparently, uh, Charter is contacting former customers that they will gladly forgive any debt they have with them and stop contacting credit agencies if they would just resubscribe to any of their services, the TV, internet, or, or the phone. The problem is, even if you don't owe Charter money and never have, that offer still might find its way to you. <laughs> right? So, and yes, Charter did confirm that this was actually a legitimate letter that was sent out by them in an effort to get former customers to, to reconnect with them, which I can understand that. Uh, they stated that the letter was, quote, a highly targeted promotional offer for former customers who have an outstanding past due balance um, of at least two years and are currently in the collections process, end quote. And might I just say, boy, there there is nothing I enjoy more than having an ISP tell me to resubscribe or else. So God, I love this. This is the <laughs> this is to me like the big problem with our internet providers, like in terms in cho in terms of variety choices to have. We yeah. don't have choices. Right. And you know, I'm not trying to get all political, but this is our government's fault for not really doing a good job in policing yeah, it. Or, arguably, yeah. You know, so, but what do you expect? It's the government. Right. You know, I know. Yeah. And, and, and and what's even greater about, about these letters, I mean, not only are they trying to you know, get you to resubscribe or else, um, apparently these letters also go on about the merits of having good credit because, quote, a good credit history helps you get credit cards and better mortgage rates, end quote. So now there's nothing, you know, the, you know, you got your ISP or a former ISP telling you how to manage your finances too. Yeah. Isn't that great? I mean, not that I need to have Charter telling me how to manage my money or that I need to resubscribe to get rid of any debt that I've got with them. Not that I have any. All right. Now, but, but all things said, just to give Charter some fair play here, they do have the right to contact credit agencies and report mm -hmm. ex-users provided that they still owed money. Now, the reason part of this came to light was that the guy that got this letter, he didn't owe any money to them. He'd always been a good customer. He simply chose to go somewhere else with his business, and he didn't owe them any money. So he forwarded the the uh, the letter onto the LA Times and let, let, let them kind of run with it a little bit. But but that's part. But but you know, like I said, to give Charter fair play, you know, if you still owe money, you know, then obviously they can still report yeah. you. But no, I, not, agree, I agree on that. But like, yeah. if you don't if you don't owe anything, leave me alone. Exactly right. So you know, if if you don't owe money, they've got nothing on you. If you pay your bill on time and in full, you know they don't get to say anything, and you get a good credit score. Act like a deadbeat. Don't make your payments. You get dinged, and your credit score goes down. Yeah. It's how our system works. You don't have to like it, but that is how it works. Now, of course, if the letter had been a no strings attached debt forgiveness kind of thing, or even a reasonable uh, uh, debt repayment plan, there's a great chance that people wouldn't be describing the whole thing as sleazy. Uh, or that it's corporate blackmail, or filled with real and implied threats. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't know about you, Simon, but as a charter member myself, I am now way too scared to leave them at this point. I think I'm just going to keep paying my protection money and stay with them. And that's what I'm going to do. Well, I, I left them last year. Ooh, so you might actually get a letter. How cool is that? So last year? No, this year. No. Yeah, not too recent. Is that right? Yeah. Very cool. Well, you know what? I got fiber in my house. Way right, faster. right. No, I remember. I remember you. How excited yeah. you were about that. It sounded really cool. If you get a letter, I want to hear about this because that that just that's going to be awesome. Yeah, if I, I, I'm well, excited. Knock about on wood. That. I hope I don't get it. 
So. Yeah, well, I, I hope you don't either, because that obviously suggests that they're you know they're watching your house and they're you know gonna they gotta come by uh, get a little protection money from you or something, you know. But still, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> I yes. love this article. That was a great article. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's that. just like you know, if you find better deal. I mean, this is how capitalism works. It, it's you part know? of it. It's part yeah. of it. The, you find the, the, a better the, deal, then you go somewhere else. Exactly. You vote yeah. with your wallet. That's how that's how the market yeah. economy works. I, I have zero issues with that. Um, not you know, all going all Bill Gates on you yeah. <laughs> back in Microsoft days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be putting windows on every desktop, which he did. So I, I can't, yeah. even, you can't even complain about that. He did a bang up job of that part of it. So no, I mean, internet Explorer. Oh God. Yeah. Let's still get me started about that. Oh yeah. My God. I remember that that's how, you know, they got, I remember. yeah, I remember They're like remember charters that. now doing this kind of tactics. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's move right. on to the next story. Back to you, sir. Back yep. to you. All right. As if you no, know, you know, data breaches are not bad enough. You know, <laughs> but now wait, we get more. another place that got it. Oh dear. All right. So if you guys are Visible Wireless customers, uh, Visible Wireless is a Verizon owned. I'm going to stress stress that very long. Verizon owned. Okay. Right. It's like their own prepaid band. Prepaid band brand. So just a couple days ago, I didn't even find out till like yesterday. Um, <sighs> so I saw these articles and also like complaints on Reddit. And so, so visible confirms account breaches, blames outside sources, quote unquote. So this article is on the verge. Um, cell service provider visible has confirmed customer reports of attackers accessing and changing user accounts. And it has said that, the breaches were carried out using usernames and passwords from outside sources. In a statement to The Verge, which you can read uh, in full below, the Verizon-owned carrier said that it worked to mitigate the issue since it became aware of it. Though it doesn't mention exactly what measures it's put in place to protect customers. Yeah, if they can't say anything, probably means not that good. <laughs> so, <laughs> starting earlier this week, customers of Verizon's lower cost service were reporting unauthorized charges. You know, these charges, which I've read, is you know to like it goes from like buying new phones from Visible, you know, and I've seen like people got charged for like thousands of dollars. Which only no. suggests that like their data somehow was not encrypted. That's actually why they were able to read that information. But whatever. I, 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 I obviously I don't know the particulars yeah. about it, but so something the, didn't go right down to Visible. So the uh, the unauthorized charges from Visible on their PayPal's or credit card statements, as well as emails telling them that their accounts, passwords, or addresses has been changed. Some customers have been frustrated with the lack of response from the company as it hasn't sent out emails or texts about the situation and was largely silent on social media until Wednesday when he posted a Twitter thread yeah this is one thing about visible wireless is that you know their responses can be very slow mm. and this is the one response they should not be slowed in so just yeah no yeah. well the the thing the thing about i i can just tell you just from from a tech support customer support side is that they whenever they're going to report a breach or a problem or an issue with the servers you know the 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 level of communication is always going to be lacking uh, there's never a quick response time simply because those who are on the front line will see the issue first. Yeah, but so they don't know because, what's going on. Right. So they because, have to report that. And right. Exactly. It gets to the customer. Yeah. So you go from the customer to the rep. And then there has to be a lot of that. If it's just one guy, 
Obviously, it's not gonna, it's a blip, it's nothing, it doesn't mean anything. Get 10 guys, then you're gonna start attracting attention. You get hundreds, then yeah, you got a real problem here. Then the, you know, the, the reps are like, hey, we're seeing a problem here. It gets back to the admins and it's got to work its way through to, to knock or whomever. And eventually, when they actually see and figure out the problem, then they can report back. And that could take anywhere between 30 minutes to a bunch of hours later on. Yeah. That obviously these frontline guys, you know, the CS, you know, customer support guys are stressing out because they don't have any information. They don't know what's going on. And so the guy tell the customer, well, we're really sorry. We don't know what's going on. We're doing the best we can. And, you know, they're just getting little bits and pieces of it. So it just makes them look bad. And eventually, once they've actually figured out the uh, the problem and they tell whomever needs to know, then they go through probably some PR marketing group. All right, well, we need to craft a response, make sure it's all, you know, up and up and up. It makes us look good. And, oh, my God, you know, we were, you know, breached. And, geez, like, oh, we're, we side with the people. You know, that kind of crap or whatever. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, customers are customers complain, texts are like, hey, wait, this seems to be a problem. Have the Amazons look into it, see if they can nail down the problem quickly. If they can, I would imagine they know where to go to find where that breach occurred. They just look through log files and they find the breach. I so, yeah, we've been breached. We'll get back to you in a, in a few minutes, let you know, tell everybody to update their password information, make sure their information is correct, and just go from there. And then we'll get, then we'll follow up. They probably didn't do that, and then they and they and they should have tweeted that out sooner. Hey, everybody, go and update your passwords. You might, we've been breached, which you know sounds bad, yeah. and I, I'll be the first to admit that. But you know what? If you value your customers' safety and their information first, mm -hmm. you know what? Tell them to go do this. Stuff <laughs> well, now. their their reset password mechanism was kind of down for a while. Oh well, see, okay, yeah. that's a problem. So they could have just done a mass password reset on everybody, which would have been painful. I won't even lie to you about that. I, I wouldn't know if they were able to do that. But here is Visible's full statement, and you might All have right. got that if you're a Visible customer. You might have got an email from it. Uh, just a little disclaimer: I, I, I am a Visible Wireless customer. Um, I have a second line with them. Uh, I use that for others, like that phone number. I use it for like. Yeah, you things. do. You, you use it for a lot of videos, obviously. You've, you've talked about them quite a bit. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, so we're tied I, with them to a degree. Yeah, I just disclaimer I got this email about them. Um, you know, I'm going to read this first. I'm going to tell you things that you can do, but I am planning to make an entire video about this. So, but I'm going to give you a little full statement reading of this. So, here's Visible's full statement Visible is aware of an issue in which some member accounts were accessed or charged without their authorization. As soon as we were made aware of this issue, we immediately initiated a review and standard and started deploying tools to mitigate the issue and enable additional controls to further protect our customers. Our investigation indicates that our investigation indicates that threat actors were able to access username passwords from outside sources and exploit that information to log into visible accounts. If you use visible username and passwords across multiple accounts, including your bank or other financial accounts, we recommend updating your username and password with those services. And here is the, the, PR, the, the PR quote. Protecting customer information, including securing customer account, accounts, is critically important to our company and our customers. As a reminder, Boy, did our, I make the call on that one. Yeah. <laughs> As a reminder, our company will never call and ask you for your password uh, secret questions or account pins. If you feel your account has been compromised, please reach out to us via chat at visible.com. And the email actually have a little bit more than this. Right. So, right. So yeah, bad day ever uh, at visible. 
and yeah, to, some and, 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 and to some extent Verizon as well. Mm. By extension, um, yes, certainly so. You know, they do own it. So, yeah. Yep. So yep. here's the thing that I recommend if you are a visible wireless customer, um, hopefully your account is not compromised. Um, if your account is compromised, definitely reach out to your banks. You know, yeah. If you see un unauthorized purchases, hope you know, talk to your bank. You know, if it's credit card, call your credit card company. He's like, hey, is, I got scammed. These fools scamming. Yep. Don't say these fools scamming. Well, you could say that, but I don't know. <laughs> well, you could. It, it yeah. might work. Who knows? It might work. But, you know, just but if you if your account right now, like you know, first thing you want to do is try to reset your password. I think their system's back up, so you should be able to do it. I know for me, it took me a while. You know, to get it reset and then make a strong password. If you don't know how to make a strong password, you know, look up a password generator. Yeah. And it'll let you do that. And you know what? Going down the road, you know, you know visible wireless isn't the only companies that get breached, unfortunately. Yeah. This kind of stuff happened. Like it already happened to T Mobile. It already happened to Mint Mobile. Mm -hmm. You know, just like could happen to a lot of companies. So what yeah. you want to do is down, you know use a password manager like uh, LastPass. I know LastPass has a free version that you could use. Um, you know, a lot of Mac users like 1Password, and I particularly don't like that one because I just find it very, I don't know, I just don't like it. It's insecure. Or unsecure, excuse me. Unsecure. 1Password? Oh, 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 you're, oh I, you met a program by that name. I'm sorry. I think, oh, yeah, use 1Password. Oh, that's the point. You don't want to use 1Password. No, <laughs> that, that's, no. A that's a password I, I, I manager. Confu I confused myself. My bad. Sorry. Yeah. As always. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. He's getting that age. He's getting hey. to that age. Where is it? Rich, yeah. Where are you? Um, or you use something like I use, I use Bitwarden. No, it's a password manager. Right there, you could keep track of all your passwords. And cool thing about it, they also have password generators in there. And then if you go to the website, you could either do autofill or you could disable that as well. So you can make strong passwords. So that's what I recommend as well. Make a strong password. Uh, find a way to keep track of that. I know keeping track of passwords are a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. even having a password manager, keeping track of passwords in that password manager is a pain in the ass. All right. I admit yeah. that to myself. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, but the fact of the matter is, if you don't have secure passwords, that you know, then you're you're setting it, you know, setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for theft. I mean, password one two three four. Frankly, is it a cut it using yeah. dollar signs? Is it going to cut it? None of that. You need alphanumeric randomization. Frankly, symbols and, and, and all that, like symbols, capitalizations, and, all that. and things. And also, exactly. um, any places that you visit online, right, that allows you to do two FA, just yeah. enable it. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they have smarter 2FA, not SMS based, but unfortunately a lot of places still use MS, SMS 2FA. Right. I don't know why. It's just like, God damn it. Give, give it time, Simon. Just just chill, man. It's just give it time. enough time already, right? <laughs> we're, we're literally in a new century already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're no, no, I, I'm with you. I, I get that. Already. I get that. We still haven't done it already, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, I, we give I, it I, too I, much time already. Yeah, no, I, I do right. the same thing with my Instagram account. It, it's it's pretty slick, and I, I will give it the benefit of the doubt that having that in there is helpful because I yeah. actually had my Instagram account get hacked, and I was able to get it all back. I lucked out, and that I, I instituted that. And that's made my life a lot easier. Yeah. The the one the one um two FA that we recommend, if it's possible, it's either. You know, using like a code that you use a, with an authenticator app. I mm -hmm. think one you can even get like a the actual key, a UB key or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, now those are yeah. actual physical keys that you get to get. Oh, but, okay. You know, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
but a lot of play- device, it's a device that ran, that that randomizes the number yeah. as opposed to getting an app on your phone to do that. So yeah, yeah. but you know, getting that the the app on the phone is more convenient. So yeah. um, you know, if you have services like that that lets you use that kind of two FA, then go ahead and enable that. Right. Uh, some will be even like, you know, I know Google they have like a couple of two FAs, you know, option. You know, uh, the one that you should avoid is SMS if possible. There's one that you could use for device sign-in. So like every time when you sign in from an unknown computer, it'll ask you, it'll prompt you on your phone that's linked to your account and say, hey, do you try signing in? You get yes or no. You could do that. Or you could go the, you know, authenticator, authenticator code method as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some banks, like banks, particularly you banks, all right? I know you love your SMS 2FA authentication, but it's time for you to level up and let us use like codes. Yeah. You know, like this is like some banks don't even let you use Google Voice as a no 2FA method. You know, Google Voice in a way is like it's SMS based, but at least there's some sort of extra layer protection because you could put 2FA on your Google account. Yeah. Like real 2FA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like no, some I, banks don't like that. I was like, come on, banks. You guys are a money institution. You can't even do this. No, well, no, that's the point, though. See, I, Except I, Capital I One. T- Capital One does does have the the device sign-in prompt if you're oh, yeah. from an unknown computer. So I give them props for that. But like Bank of America and other stuff, like, no, the hell's wrong dude, with you? The hell's wrong with you? Banks, generally speaking, are about maintaining profitability and not spending money. Believe me, having, having worked for Bank of America, having worked for Gosh. banks in general, the culture is that they will save as much money as they possibly can, be very, uh, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, very frugal with their cash, including their own employees, I might Just say add. cheap. So, Right. Just cheap, say, cheap work. Yeah. No, well, fr- <laughs> no, it's the bank. It's frugal, though, Simon. It's no, they're frugal cheap. The word you're looking for. <laughs> no, but I, I get what you're saying. You know, yeah. the, you know, it's about saving money. Yeah, but at what cost? Like, you know, it's just like we get screwed. You know, your well, customer no, no. gets screwed. Well, yes and no. I mean, the the way it tends to, it tends to be now, I think more so because it's such a more it's a, it's much more common is that there's an acceptable level of loss that occurs within banking, arguably with any industry, but let's just stick with banking since you, since you brought that up. At some point, at some point, the loss is going to go beyond whatever that acceptable level is. And then in theory, action will start to be taken in an effort to mitigate that and bring it back to within that acceptable realm. It's part of the cost of doing business if you want to look at it that way. It doesn't behoove them at the moment, theoretically, to spend all this money in an effort to become more and more secure, such as using an authenticator, if you will, or say an authenticator app to log in, it's it's not it's not cost effective for them to do so yet. That's why it hasn't happened yet. At some point, it will, but the loss has to actually hit that 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 wall first. And once it does, then they start to talk about it. And as the losses start to rack up, they'll start to respond a little faster. And then eventually they'll they'll implement that. So it it it's 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 a big numbers money loss game for them more than anything else. And if they don't have to do it because they're profiting billions and billions of dollars, in theory they don't even have to care unless the breach is so egregious. Then you know then they obviously have to pay attention to that. So I wouldn't count on it anytime soon, at least with the older banks like Bank of America and and, and so forth. Yeah, the newer I won't banks, count on it in our lifetime, to be honest. Well, that that that's 
I, I would I would disagree with you about that. So let's let, let's let's make that by the bet. By the end of our lives, let's see if the Bank of America actually switches. Three decades too. later. Three I decades told you, later. Jeff. I told yeah, you, Jeff. You know. <laughs> oh, hey, you Jeff's not here anymore. <laughs> you owe me a Pepsi. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you can so, afford a Pepsi at fifty dollars a bottle. So back to Visible Wireless. Right. Um, not has not been a good few days for them, Ew. unfortunately. So one other thing is. Um, if you do have a credit card on file with them, what I recommend and other people recommend in those Reddit threads is, you know, use privacy.com or if your credit card company has like a virtual card number that you can use to set limits, put that in there. Uh, privacy.com lets you do that too. Like they have, they can let you make virtual card numbers that are linked to your bank account. But the cool thing is that they're basically like burner cards. You can use them once or you could have a monthly one, but set a limit on how much it could spend. Huh. So if someone does hack in your account and they try to spend the money and buying a new iPhone, they can't do it because there's insufficient funds for that card. Privacy.com, you said it was called? Yeah, privacy.com. Privacy.com. Okay, that's yeah. actually a pretty cool idea. Yeah, it's like that. a burner phone, but for your, right, right. your cards. Right on. I like that. Brand. Yeah. I like so that. also check out your credit card company. I think some of them do have like virtual card numbers that you can make. I know Capital One does. Um I don't know about Bank America. Well, they're so old school. I don't think they've heard of. Yeah, let's cards, assume they so. don't. I'm assuming they don't. And, and um, let me actually, let me also just kind of interject another thing. Um, I I actually have LifeLock for for you know identity theft kind of thing. I I don't know what kind of data that Visible keeps and whatnot, but if they do have your social security number, I they're prepaid, so they don't have socials. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, it, it's not a bad idea in and of itself. Just want to throw that. Yeah, out there but you know, if you have but, used but your social for other things, yeah, then, right. So, yeah, it's unrelated. So, but you know, I don't think it's at a point where you need life lock. But yeah. again, I don't know. Depending, you know, Visual is just one amongst many other right. places that has these data breaches. So, right. But really if they are trying, but it, but the trick is if they try to apply for like new credit card stuff, but obviously they're just taking credit card info and buying stuff with it. That definitely wouldn't fall into the life lock category where they look for identity theft and that sort of thing. It's a, it's a different category. So, yeah, yeah but. Never hurts to look into that, but yeah, this, that's not related to what you're talking about with, with visible here. So yeah, so no privacy.com, check them out. Um, it's pretty much free. Cool. I mean, I, I've used them a couple of times. Like there's some things that you know I want to buy. Like I don't want to use my debit card, but I don't want to use my credit card. I want to use like my checking account. So I just like here's this burner card. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> shady, idea. but like, hey, you know, yeah, no, I, I shady I, I, people I, on the internet, so yeah, no, well, no, I, I would, I wouldn't use a debit card, like, you know, if I could avoid using a debit card simply because if it gets breached, that's all your direct money that you have. And if that gets stolen, it's yeah. done, you know, the, and whether the bank gives it back to you or not is another matter. You got to go through all that, you know, all that hassle for that. So it's just yeah. something to think about there and to go from there. So, yeah, so the cool thing about privacy.com is that they, they have 2FA as well. And it, they use the authenticator type 2FA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. So, give them a try. I mean, I like yeah, them. You definitely got to look into it myself. Here. Yeah. Like, they're cool. nowhere sponsored anything. Okay. They're not sponsoring us. We're just, I, I use them personally. Okay. Yeah. Everything, everything we talk about is not sponsored. All right. Not yet. We're trying. <laughs> someday, someday, Simon will have it. <laughs> someday, someday. So, so, someday. All right. Let's go to our final story. And this is related to Amazon customers. Mm -hmm. 
And while you're pulling that up, I would like to interject a small item in regards to El Salvador and the price of Bitcoin. Because you know what? That's important to know just because I, th I think it's important that everybody know the price of Bitcoin. So as you may recall, September 8th was Bitcoin Day in El Salvador. It opened at a price of $52,350 and closed at $46,270. Wow. Well, as of about an hour ago, I just checked on this, the price of it is at 56982 So yay for El Salvador. So the price finally went up from opening day. <laughs> oh, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee Kaye. All right, go on. I just I just had to throw that in there because I just thought that was a stare. All right. So this is a article from Business Insider. So an Amazon shopper faces up to 20 years in jail for $290,000 of fraud. Damn. 299 $290,000 of fraud. That's that's a lot. That's Prosecutor a lot. says he bought Apple, Asus, Fuji products, then mailed cheaper items as returns. So, an Amazon shopper who for five years, five years, five years, bought expensive items, including a top of the line iMac Pro, and then mailed cheaper items as return, faces up to 20 years in prison for wire fraud, prosecutor says. Wow. Um, I'm not going to read that person's name. So, this person uh, pleaded guilty, you know, in the Western District of North Carolina. The Department of Justice has also issued a statement on Tuesday that this person faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. You know, so the U.S. attorney God. filed charges against this person in September, saying he engaged in about 300 fraudulent transactions with Amazon that included about 270 products returned, some 250 which were materially different in value. That amounted to more than $290,000 in total fraud, said the charging document and another detail, several transitions as part of this person's plea agreement. Wow. Any other transactions follow a simple pattern. Secure said this person would order an expensive item, initiate a return, that mail is similar but less valuable item. Sometimes he also sell the expensive item, netting him both the return and the resale value, prosecutor says. Wow. In August 2019, for example, this person ordered an Apple iMac Pro for $4,256.85. After two weeks, he, well, this person, started the return process with Amazon, which then issued a refund. Instead of returning the high-end iMac Pro, this person returned a much older, less valuable, non-pro model with a completely different serial number. A week before... This person initiated his Amazon return. He sold an iMac. He sold an iMac Pro on eBay. Prosecutor said the items this person ordered included a, a Jura Giga W3 professional coffee maker machine for three thousand five hundred thirty-six dollars and forty-six cents. Coffee machines go for thirty-five hundred bucks. Good God! It must be very um, professional. An Damn. ASUS. Uh, ROG Sephora's gaming laptop for $2,776.52 and a Fuji spray system for $1,227.31. Each time he returned a lower value item or older model, prosecutor says. Amazon's spokesperson told Insider that the tech giant discovered the alleged fraud and referred the case to law enforcement, the worker FBI, and U.S. Attorney's Office in North Carolina. And here's a statement from Amazon. 
Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Can you see it, Jeff? I can, yes. Yeah. Would you read it in your Amazon <clears throat> your voice? I'd be glad to. <clears throat> Amazon has systems in place to detect suspicious behavior and teams in place to investigate and stop prohibited activity, the spokesperson said. There is no place for fraud at Amazon, and we will continue to pursue all measures to hold bad actors accountable. Justice will be served. You sorry stuff. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> Got a little carried away there. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Too, uh, you're too, um, too method, my friend. Too method. <laughs> yeah. But Why yeah. Be a so good actor if I wasn't, you know, <laughs> so yeah, don't try to fraud Amazon. Cause oh, you know, man. don't do I, review I, fraud. Don't do this fraud. Right? I, I know. Right. You got the review fraud now, the actual fraud. I, I am blown away that that went on for five years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, trying to do like some round numbers. So let's say, you know, two hundred. You got two hundred seventy transactions or so. They said right by two hundred seventy transactions over a yeah. five year period, amped it up to rounded to three hundred. That's nearly sixty transactions a year. If you think of it that way, that somehow I'll take your word. Caught on to math. this guy. <laughs> nobody caught on to this guy. And that he that he he got away with it. Granted, he was probably switching between like different Amazon accounts over time, different email addresses, and all that jazz. Or they've just been keeping an eye on it, build up a case. Well, that that's true. That I mean that that would fall into that category. Um, but you know that that's yeah, a that's, long time. You know that's a really long time. I don't yeah, know, but I don't know. But that's like you know. Yeah, this is crazy. I was like, yeah, yeah geez, no, I I I'm. Like, I'm blown away by that blown away by that it's like these kind of idiots are like no it's gonna make honest people like us know when we do need to return something much more difficult yeah yeah well i, I mean if, if what amazon said it's right they actually have methods and protocols to detect that sort of thing which i can't imagine they actually don't yeah. you should know you're you're the method actor do they have protocols <laughs> well the protocols we have in place are meant to you know provide safety and uh, all sorts of other stuff now i don't know Am amazon Oh my God. Amazon is usually very quick to provide a refund on a given return product. They're actually, I mean, it, 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 in, from the customer standpoint, at least in, in my limited, they're quick. what's that? They're, they're quick and they're, they're right on the spot almost. about that. Yeah. Yeah. You get on chat with them, you write an email, hey, I need to return this. this it's not you don't this, even, this. you don't even need to do a chat. You just, you just go your, your past orders, right? Or your current orders, you know. And you can just initiate the refund there. They give you right. options like, oh, what's the reason why? And this like that. Right. Like, right oh, I just right. want a refund. Okay, please return this item back. You can ship it or go to. Right. Uh, They'll send you an RMA and you go from there. They credit you for yeah. it. Usually they give you Amazon credits. They can buy more stuff through Amazon. And, just yeah, go yeah. and even, they even made it more convenient. You don't even have to go to like a UPS store anymore. You go to your local Kohl's and there's like oh. an Amazon drop-off area. Oh, right. Because there's like, an Amazon drop-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's sure. like actually people there like working there like. You no, know, like Kohl's people working there, like doing Amazon returns. Huh. Yeah. All you do is wow. just show the QR code. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that yeah. they give to you and that's it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Amazon, too, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, to their credit, makes it very easy to return stuff. And, you know, you get your refund, be it an Amazon credit or even back to your credit card if it goes that route. Mm -hmm. However, that works out. But, um, yeah, it, it, they make it super easy for the customer, which, which I think is, is a good thing for Amazon. But it does make you wonder, okay, somebody obviously was able to exploit this for five years. 
270 products or so, or 270 transactions, 250, which were, were products, you know, it's like, Oh my God, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's tough, but this is one guy. It does kind of make you wonder, okay, how many others are there that are pulling the stunt, you know, especially the scale, this guy was doing it too, you know? Well, if they are, stop. It's a fair warning. Stop from Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to mess with Amazon. It's, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they'll send you a space. Yeah, they'll shoot yeah. you into space. Yeah. Shoot you into space, exactly. Yeah. God, yeah, you and Bezos on the big space uh wang, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. <laughs> Wasn't sure really what word I could use out here. Thought I thought to go with that one, but yeah, either way. <laughs> yeah, keep it that way. Keep it. That I way. will. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, that's it for our stories. Yay! Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, my name is Jeff Word. With me is Simon C. For another episode of the Tech That Doesn't Bite cast. Uh, please do come and visit our YouTube channel. Uh, like and subscribe so you get notifications from us uh, in regards to when we put up a new video, when we have a new bite cast. Uh, feel free to also visit us at uh, techthatdoesntbite.com. And uh, you can learn all about our reviews, find more links there, learn about how awesome we are, and all the cool stuff that goes with it, too. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are listening to the podcast version of this, thank you so much. You know, hopefully you are having a you know a fun time listening to us. You know? <laughs> As opposed to falling asleep while you're driving. Yeah. So that we um, don't want that. We definitely don't want that. Yeah. If you could leave a review on your favorite mm-hmm. podcasting app, that would be great. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yep. And until next time, we'll see you on the next episode. Adios. Bye everyone. Bye.